cities and banks mm-hmm. the right to just stick it to people even harder. So <laughs> maybe she needs to use her boobs more often. You're all soft and good. Okay. And not the clitoris, no. All right. Thanks for joining us. This has been spectacularly fun, Ollie. Thank you. Yes. Well, now I know I have to, really don't have to stumble over the pronunciation of the word clitoris anymore. Because it's whatever you want it's it like, to be. Yeah, any way you want to say it is okay. All right, coming up next is Mike Perini, Pandora's Lunchbox. So, give him some love. All righty then. It's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Good evening, I'm Mike, and this is a show about food as often as I can manage it, every 6.30 at Thursday evening at. And we're going to start today's show with not the usual Pandora's Lunchbox theme, but a song by the police, possibly the best song that the police ever did, and one that I've been dying to play before Halloween for a long time. I like to eat my friends and make no bones about it. I like to eat my friends, I couldn't do that. A man or poet friend, I know just how you'll taste. Your limbs go sliding down my throat and never go to waste. Your death of thoughts will sadden me until I drop your essence. I know your life was not in vain when digestion is commencing. Consider this a celebration and the deepest path of friends. I hope that you will dine on me. So 
That's such a spiritual song, isn't it? No? Ah. Anyway, that's uh, The Police and Friends. It's the B-side to their masterpiece, Opus, Opus Masterpiece, to Do, 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 to Da, Da, Da. And I'm surprised that the DJs didn't turn that over and play Friends as a single over and over again and think about eating friends, and, well, it's a way that we can all get together. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, as I mentioned earlier, a show about food and, and continues to be at least for the next half hour or so. Then at 7, it's Face the Music with Arwolf. I have some news here. This is important news. In Swartz Creek, Michigan, near Flint, a plastic bottle with foul-smelling contents was found in a men's bathroom at Swartz Creek High School two weeks ago. It prompted an evacuation and a visit by the bomb squad. Lab results show that the bottle contained spoiled chocolate milk. Oh, my God. So, the bottle had been sitting in a student's locker and was left on the ledge in the bathroom. The Flint Journal reports that it was found on October 9th, and officials initially said they believed it contained a mix of household chemicals. Superintendent Jeff Pratt says it looked like it was chocolate milk, old, spoiled, and under pressure. Well, now it does, now that they realize what it is. Spoiled chocolate milk. It had different striations, and it had some weird sort of ball things at the bottom there, and it was pressured, and it was looking like it was going to explode. Pressure from the spoiled milk apparently caused the bottle to expand, making it look more suspicious. Pratt said school officials erred on the side of caution, noting that possible threats can't be taken for granted. Two police officers and three members of the bomb squad refused to go near it or touch it, and that was good enough for me. Students were evacuated to the football field and later dismissed. It turns out a student had cleaned out his girlfriend's locker, found the bottle of chocolate milk, and accidentally left it in the bathroom. That's according to the Flint Journal. And Swartz Creek Police Chief Rich Klolinger says, I know after the fact it makes us look on the silly side that we sent kids home because of spoiled milk on the shelf, but all of the right decisions were made. And that's really what it's all about in this country right now at this important time. Speaking of milk and other things, there, there was an actual campaign here that I want to tell you about. This was from the New York Sun. In Union Square headquarters... It's Union Hair. It's Union Hair. It's Union Hair Scred quarters are now speaking Swedish. It's Union Square headquarters are now shuttered, and its army of dedicated cotton-tailed do-gooders is long gone. But a group of activists who invaded Union Square for two weekends last month, urging passers-by to sign petitions, has vowed to keep fighting. The college-age activists claim they are fighting to get June 1st declared Lactose Tolerance Day. They're nothing but the latest example of what has come to be known as viral marketing. And if it involves a virus, it's important to talk about on this show, and I want you to know about it. Their campaign began in August with a demonstration at the MTV Video Music Awards. Dozens of young people marched outside Radio City Music Hall, waving placards proclaiming, I love chocolate milk. Hmm. From its street-level headquarters, the movement's volunteers asked passers-by for support, much like Greenpeace and Amnesty International do, except that they were dressed like rabbits. They handed out buttons, T-shirts, and a lactose tolerance kit, complete with free 
main name brand here, Chocolate Milk. This was not a political campaign, however, but part of an ongoing marketing campaign orchestrated by name corporate brand here for its name corporate brand product here, Milk Mixes. It's not the first time a company has used the streets of New York to promote its products. Microsoft landed in hot water, oops, that's a different company, with city officials when it posted thousands of adhesive butterflies on traffic poles in 2002. And this is viral marketing. There you go. Throw in experimental marketing, mock protests, and you have an effective way to reach younger audiences. So there's something going on here, and it involves chocolate milk. And I don't know, folks. I just don't know. But what I do know is that this is a song called Addicted to Cheese. And it goes like this. Here comes. Look out. I feel like talking about Casey Casey Mementation here. Help me. I've got a disease. I'm addicted to cheese. Debuting at number 3,400. No. That was uh, Addicted to Cheese by the Evaporators. And I'm sorry it was so incredibly loud at the beginning. It was off of a website. And I just couldn't really figure out how loud it was going to be. But it was very loud. I guess when you're addicted to cheese, you just have to deal with that sort of thing. It's Pandora's Lunchbox, a show about food. And the Day of the Dead is coming up. I want to talk a little bit about that because it's a fascinating holiday to me, and it is a holiday that I have some information right here on. The Day of the Dead is an ancient Aztec celebration of the memory of deceased ancestors. It's celebrated on November 1st, All Saints Day, and November 2nd, All Souls Day. The holiday is especially popular in Mexico, where it's a national holiday, and it's celebrated in the Philippines, in Mexican-American communities in the U.S., and to a lesser extent in other Latin American countries. It's a public holiday in Brazil, where many Brazilians celebrate it by visiting cemeteries and churches, bringing flowers, lighting candles, and praying. 
The subject matter may be considered morbid from some Anglo-Saxon perspectives, but Mexicans celebrate the Day of the Dead joyfully, and though it occurs at the same time as Halloween, All Saints Day and All Souls Day, the traditional mood is much brighter, with emphasis on celebrating and honoring the lives of the deceased and celebrating the continuation of life. The belief is that is not that death is the end, but rather that it's the beginning of a new stage of life, and that is a celebration of the Day of the Dead. And there are a lot of very colorful traditions involved with it. And actually, if you walk down to Main Street, you can see a window there in Peaceable Kingdom, over there downtown on Main Street. And they have a window with some Day of the Dead items there. A lot of the Day of the Dead items you will find are figurines of individuals with skull faces. And you might find a guitar player with a skull face or a wedded couple with a skull face or just a big skull face. You can also find little stylized depictions of flowers with messages on them and part of that is because in the on the day of the dead a lot of people will put flowers or food on the graves of their loved ones with the idea that they may want something to eat in the next world and that's that's part of the celebration i'd like i'm going to try to get someone on the show next week to talk a little bit about that because the day of the dead is next wednesday and thursday but in the meantime i guess those who don't have the day of the dead as a regular celebration, try to deal with these issues in other ways. And there is sort of a convergence culturally between what's happening in one part of the world and the other part of the world. And while the Day of the Dead happens in Mexico and many other countries, a fellow named Robin Hitchcock writes a song called My Wife and My Dead Wife. And it is an eccentric song, a beautiful, interesting song. And I hope nobody will see this in any kind of disrespectful way. I just find it an interesting cultural confluence or something confluenceable like that. Here's here's a little bit of Robin Hitchcock on that song. Just joking. Let me try that again. And here it comes. Robin Hitchcock. In your radio. Right now. My wife lies down in a chair and peels a pen. I know she's there. I may I come back in with coffee for three Coffee for three My dead wife sits in a chair Combing her hair I know she's there She wanders off to the bed Shaking her head Problem she said You know I don't
Robin Hitchcock and the Egyptians and my wife and my dead wife. It's a scary Pandora's lunchbox, but if you're listening alive or dead, I hope you're enjoying this program and I'm enjoying you too. Coming up at 7, it's Face the Music with Arwolf. In the meantime, some information here. Just saw this piece of information. There's, well, what's going on for Halloween? You might be wondering, how can you get involved with a Halloween event when you haven't actually been invited to anything because you're spooky or the people you know are spooky? There's going to be a public spooky event, and it's going to be called With Punch 5, and it's going to be in Liberty Plaza in Ann Arbor on Liberty Street at 3 p.m. says here on the press release, it's a festival that's driving focus, is celebrating life and its wonderful beauty, promoting real, genuine connections amongst strangers over free pie and punch. Mmm. So... Few simple mantras govern with punch. It will never cost a dime to attend. It'll be free as long as freedom exists. Mmm. There's no drugs or alcohol. People rely too heavily on these to escape reality. With punch's purpose is to enhance reality, not alter it. And it's open to anyone. So there will be five local bands playing at this event called With Punch 5, starting at 3 p.m. this Saturday in Liberty Plaza in downtown Yakub, sorry, DJ Yakub at 3 o'clock, then cut to scene, the setup, the MacPods, Bellicose, and Toolbox, and our famous open jam session. That's right. And there will be a costume competition. There will be street art. Four 3x4 canvases await talented minds with their own stencils and paint. And the Dritty Brothers bring a talent to Tab and Himena, and they also bring... I speak Swedish. The Dirty Brothers bring a traveling art exhibit to amaze and astound. Most importantly, it says, Pie and People. It all happens at, on October 28th, this Saturday at 3 p.m. at Liberty Plaza. On a side note here, I want to point out, because this is food and drink as well, we talked about the dangers of chocolate milk, and I just want to warn anybody again, chocolate milk can explode and can cause schools to be evacuated. But also, 7-Eleven has pulled a drink named Cocaine. This is out of the Associated Press. Convenience store operator 7-Eleven is telling franchises to pull a high-caffeine drink from its shelves because of the product's name, 
cocaine. The company acted after getting complaints from parents of teens who are a big part of the drink's target audience. Our merchandising team believes the product's name promotes an image which we didn't want to be associated with. Oops, should have stopped it somewhere along the way. That's not from the article there. Cocaine comes in red cans with the name spelled out in what are meant to resemble lines of white powder. Oh, oh, wow. According to the label, each 8.4 fluid ounce can contains 280 milligrams of caffeine, more jolt than a cup of coffee, a can of Coca-Cola, or the leading energy drink, Red Bull, but no campaign. The drink is made by Redux Beverages of Las Vegas, Las Vegas, there you go, which markets it as the legal alternative. Yes, you know, actually, cocaine was originally in the original Coca-Cola very, very early on, possibly late 18, late, late 1800s, early 1900s, but they took that out a long time ago. 7-Eleven had a drink called cocaine. Wow. And, and they're taking it off the market. I can't really imagine that. Okay, but here's Spike Jones. I think he talks about food in this one. Let's take it from the top and grab the same roof. I'll dig you, baby, till you're cool and stiff. Spooky, spooky, lend me your tomb. Spooky, spooky, crazy. Just split for the mold shop and I'll meet you inside. We'll have a Sunday topped with formaldehyde. But spooky, spooky, wild. You've been bugging my plasma ever since you made this scene you're the utmost you just make my skull stand still with your lips of blue and cheeks of green the very utmost spooky spooky lend me your tomb spooky spooky naughty I've got my jets lighted and my flaps are going to bend. We'll play corpse and robbers. It's a game that's the end. Just take me where you are. Baby, take all of me, but seal up the jaw. You're a regular drag the knife. What's with this tomb, Kegel, baby? Why do you want to latch on to my tomb? I'm setting up a wild gig tonight, and my pad isn't big enough to hold all the cats. Yours is the utter utmost. Well, I'm beamed in on Screensville, and I'm moving right now. Because you're the kind of a chick who swings. Baby, you're the lynchiest. Oh, my. That was Spike Jones, and that's from the early 60s, and that's a parody of Kooky Kooky, Lend Me Your Comb, called Spooky Spooky, Lend Me Your Toe, to- <laughs> Lend Me Your... your- Toblerone? No, that's that's something. That's chocolate. That's we were talking about chocolate milk earlier. Spooky, spooky, lend me your tomb. Yes, I want to le- speak one word at a time here, but also to talk about another 
thing that's dead what, but also brings life to people. Dead fish as art. Uh, there's a unique art form known as gyotaku. And I was looking on several websites. Actually, I was looking up Day of the Dead, and I came across, when I was Googling that, I came across Day of the Fred, and I found a website dedicated to people whose names were Fred. And one of those people named Fred does this art with dead fish called Geotaku. Okay, you follow me? So this is where I found out about this actually beautiful, visually beautiful art using dead fish. A gyotaku says here on Lori Hatch's website is the art and technique of Japanese fish rubbing. The first gyotaku prints were created to preserve a true record of the size and species caught by Japanese anglers. The oldest known prints were commissioned in 1862 by Lord Sakai in the Yamaguta, rather Yamagata prefecture, to preserve the memory of a record catch. Fish prints are so accurate that Nippon's fishing contest winners are determined by gyotaku prints. A well-executed gyotaku yields an image so accurate and detailed that it can become a useful tool for scientific study. Gyotaku is also a good alternative to taxidermy. Many tourists returning to land after a successful day of fishing choose to have a print made of their catch. This is gyotaku, which is G-Y-O-T-A-K-U, and it's an art. And the fish are painted. Now, I can talk a little bit about how it's made. Some of it's maybe not for uh, families. I don't know if I can... Okay. This is a little bit of information also from Lori Hatch's website. How do you go from a real fish to an exquisite work of art? First, secure a fresh fish to make your fish print. If you can't print it within 24 hours, freeze it. Good fish to begin with include rockfish, flounder, perch, or bass. She says, I get some of my fresh fish from my dad who loves to fish. Wash the fish thoroughly to remove all of the mucus. Okay, maybe I shouldn't go on. Otherwise, it can interfere with your print and stain the paper. Remove the eye, plug any openings, including the gills, and I don't think I should go on here. But if you go to Lori Hatch's website, you can find out how to take a dead fish and make art out of it. And actually, her website is lorihatch.com, L-O-R-I-H-A-T-C-H.com. And there are other websites that have this art. Now, this is interesting on her website to talk about the soul. And this, and not like the soul, as in when you die, your soul goes on, but it could be. We're talking about the sole, S-O-L-E. It says here, when they first hatch from the egg, sole and flounder look like any other fish. Within a few days, they begin to lean to one side. The eye on the underside starts to migrate upward and across the head so that both eyes are on top of the body. As the eye migrates, the skull also twists. This is creepy. When the fish is finally flat, the transformation completed, it's dark above and white below, the bottom looking almost like a blank, unfinished canvas thus begins its life as a bottom hugging species that's the soul of a soul and that's actually you should look up on the website lori hatch and also look up gyotaku g-y-o-t-a-k-u and see some of the beautiful prints that can be made using dead fish it's all true Arwolf has just walked into the building, and that means it's just about time to face the music with Arwolf. just want to mention, I'm going to be talking about this in the next few weeks, but there's going to be an Ann Arbor Film Festival fundraiser at the Michigan Theater to highlight state funding issues that the festival faced this year. And the American Civil Liberties Union is a part of this. Basically, it's, it's about some of the films that were shown at the Michigan Theater for the Ann Arbor Film Festival and some of the controversy around them. Some state funding was threatened to be withdrawn. There was actually some legislation talking about it. And I just want to mention because I had some guests on my show from the film festival because some of the films were about food. That's my gratuitous reference there. But here we go. Um, okay, we'll talk about that later. Some of the films, including 
Booby Girl and Chests were considered controversial. We'll talk about more of that in the next few weeks. In the meantime, I've been Mike for a half an hour. Our wolf is getting ready to help you face the music. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. And let's go out with Dan Hicks and his hot licks with one of the scariest tunes ever and one of the scariest things we can ever do, I Scare Myself. and welcome to Face the Music. It's just past 7 o'clock, and my name is Art Wolf. I was just driving through Ann Arbor traffic. It was most exciting. And for this reason, I thought it would be nice to go back to 1906 with a, um, a recording made by the Columbia Orchestra. And careful research indicates that for about 1 minute and 57 seconds, this could actually be your national anthem. Let's face the music. The Limited Express by Columbia Orchestra. Train from Philadelphia, Baltimore, Washington, Cincinnati, Chicago, St. 